0: well good morning everyone i have this mass of grey carpet before me um you are not here but you are here which is a great thing so i'm talking as if you're sitting right in front of me um so we are continuing on it's a couple of weeks since we've been in thessalonians but we are coming back to it again today so um I just wanted to share a story about my great-grandparents. My grandfather was born in a Catholic family in Ireland during hard economic times at the turn of the 20th century. When he was only about three or four years old, his parents moved to England to try and find work to survive. Now this was during a time when Irish Catholics were not welcome in England at all. Um, They were quite ostracized. And shortly after they had arrived, my um, great grandfather was killed in some sort of accident. So um, my grandfather's mom was now a widow with two little boys and a young baby, Catholic and Irish with no welfare assistance at all in a country that ostracized them. My great grandmother had no possible way of being able to feed um, all of her children Because of her love for them, she made the painful decision to leave the two older boys in an orphanage. Now, she did this in the hope that they would be fed, they would be cared for, and they would be educated. I can only imagine how heart-wrenching this must have been for her to have circumstances tear her little boys away like that. In the first verse of our passage today, Paul uses the expression, we were torn away from you, which comes from a Greek word that actually refers to being orphaned, parents from children or children from parents. Now to be honest, I struggle to imagine that the pain Paul, Silas and Timothy endured after being forced to leave their Christian brothers and sisters in Thessalonica, could have really matched the pain that my great grandmother had felt, however, Paul is emphasising the depth of the relationship that he had with God's people. The image of being torn apart indicates that they had become closely related. The only way that they could have been torn apart is if they'd been joined together. This is why Paul uses this expression. They weren't just acquaintances. They had grown together as a close family committed to one another through selfless love. Paul says that they'd been torn away in person but not in heart. Distance did not prevent them from being deeply concerned for their brothers and sisters. It was not out of sight, out of mind. They were doing everything they could to get back to Thessalonica to be able to support them through the onslaught of persecution. Earlier on in chapter 2, Paul says, Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel but our very lives as well. In today's passage, he goes on to say that we endeavoured the more eagerly and with great desire to see you face to face, for we wanted to come to you. This is not a relationship just centred around responsibilities or obligation. There is a real sense of longing to be with them and enjoyment in being able to give into their lives and to just hang out together. Love just freely flowed. We know that it costs them dearly, The book of Acts gives us quite an insight into all that Paul and others endured as they committed to building God's church. But there was no sense of, I'm over this, or bitterness, or resentment. And yet the Thessalonian believers weren't all perfect. Chapter four, we're not there today, but that gives us insight into um, things that were not good. But Paul doesn't withdraw his commitment to them because of this. His love has an eternal perspective, not a human one that goes so far and then that's it. He was committed to them. This was the expression of God's love moving through his life. This was an expression of God's heart. God had journeyed with his people and still does ever since the beginning. Through all of humankind's faithfulness and unfaithfulness, God remained faithful to his people. This faithfulness reached its climax with Jesus coming and giving up his life for us. God has never left his people and Jesus expressed these words again when he promised that he would never leave us or forsake us. As Paul faithfully journeyed together with his brothers and sisters, he was an expression of the heart of God. By the time the team had reached Athens, they could just bear it no longer. They needed to know that their brothers and sisters were okay. And so the decision was made for Timothy to go back and to establish and exhort them in their faith. Now for Timothy, Silas and Paul, separating from each other may not have been that easy. In those times, traveling wasn't all that safe. Having the protection and companionship of each other was a big deal. To separate could have left them quite vulnerable. They could have legitimately justified staying together but they did not want to leave their brothers and sisters ill-equipped to stand against the persecution that they were enduring at that time. This was not a casual friendship. There was a strong commitment to God's people, regardless of the cost. We saw this with David and Eliza, our missionary family on the Silk Road during the pandemic last year. They made a decision to trust God, staying to support their community, during a time that was a real threat to their safety. It would have been much safer for them to come home, but they committed to walk through this tough time with those who have become very much part of their lives. If the K people were just casual acquaintances, they probably would have come home, but they've become very close friends, journeying together regardless. Their commitment to journey with the K people through thick and thin is an expression of God's commitment and love. And this is what the K people would have noticed. Paul states in 3.7, Therefore, brothers and sisters, in all our distress and persecution, we were encouraged about you because of your faith. For now, we live. This is what they'd laboured for, to see their brothers and sisters steadfast in their faith. Do you hear that? For now, we live. We live. Their greatest sense of fulfilment did not come from anything about their own lives. Their greatest sense of fulfilment came from seeing God's people thriving and steadfast in their faith. Their brothers and sisters were their joy, their hope, their crown before Jesus. It's all they needed to be complete in life. These men had truly surrendered up their lives and God had taken over their hearts. They did not live for themselves. To see brothers and sisters standing strong in their faith was worth every trial and sacrifice that Paul had endured. This is nothing less than God's love. Jesus gave everything for it and now Paul is following his example. He expressed God's heart as he faithfully journeyed with God's people. When I read David and Eliza's newsletters, there is often a real sense of excitement, pleasure and joy but particularly so when they write of the things that God is doing in the lives of their friends around them. Without even saying it, I can hear these same words of Paul's coming through Eliza's letters. These people are our joy, our hope, our crown. Now we live. I'm sure that if the government forced David and Eliza to leave the Cape people tonight, that they would certainly experience the pain of being torn apart because they have journeyed in real friendship with these people and become very much part of their lives. Jesus gave his life that we could share in it. Together, he has given us the privilege of being his body here on earth. To be his body, we actually have to be joined together. We have to be joined as one. Ephesians 4 states, from him the whole body, held and joined together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. God has a place and a part for every one of us as we journey together. Being Jesus to a lost world, none of us can be all that Jesus is. But together we present his life to the world as each part does its work. Galatians 6.10 says, do good first to the household of faith and then to all peoples everywhere. As we faithfully journey together, we express God's heart of love to a lost and hurting world. If we are all fragmented, it will be difficult for the world to see Jesus. We need to be joined together in love despite our failings Jesus said this is how the world will know that I live because of the love you have one for another we are told that all of Paul's attempts to get back to to the Thessalonian church had been hindered by Satan the way that the Greek has been translated here implies a military context sketching the image of a road or pathway so torn up by the opposition that it's virtually impassable. So the inference is one of an army whose enemy is hindering its advancement, which is such an apt description of the situation. The relationship between Paul, Silas and Timothy and the Thessalonian believers was too much of a threat to Satan. Their faith was being strengthened more and more as they did life together A group of believers committed to each other becomes a powerful force against the kingdom of darkness. No wonder Satan continually sought to hinder it, but he did not win out. The Thessalonian believers grew strong in their faith and we now have the two books of Thessalonians because of Paul needing to write to them when he could not physically get to them. The most powerful thing that Paul did do when his attempts to get to Thessalonica failed was to earnestly pray day and night for his brothers and sisters. He did not leave them unprotected. The word earnest means with sincere and intense conviction, seriously. Earnest prayer comes from the depth of our hearts, irrespective of its length or its style. Earnest prayer is something that we engage in when we really care about someone or something it's not a half-hearted engagement with God oh well it may work or it may not at least I've prayed no there are many different ways and reasons to pray but when I enter into earnest prayer on behalf of someone else it is an expression of God's love flowing through me for them Paul's prayers flowed from a heart of faith that believed and that genuinely cared about his brothers and sisters. This is very much a part of how he still faithfully journeyed with them, even though separated. A great example how we can support each other while separated through lockdown, through earnest prayer. In one of David's sermons in March, he explained how soldiers protected each other as they stood against the enemy. Now a soldier would hold his sword In his right hand and his shield in his left thus leaving his right side vulnerable but as they stood together the soldier who had his shield in his left hand was to protect the com his comrades right hand side while still protecting his own left side if I've explained that (laughs) Um, so therefore as they're all marched up each one's shield has got their left and his right, left and his right. The guy in the end, I'm not too sure about that, but the rest were okay. <laughs> so, but a soldier out there by himself was a very vulnerable target. But together, they were protected and able to gain much more ground. Is that not a great picture of the church? We all have vulnerable areas but linked together, we commit to protecting each other. As we link arms, caring about each other, sacrificing for one another, forgiving one another when we've been hurt, serving one another, developing sincere friendships where we really know each other, committed to protecting each other, humbly giving and receiving correction, earnestly praying for each other, helping each other up when we fall, wanting good for each other, even if we don't agree on everything, and loving someone, even if I don't particularly like them. You know what? It sounds a bit like living in utopia, doesn't it? But it's actually called living together in community with God's people. But we can't do it by ourselves. Jesus knew we would certainly fail but he gave us his Holy Spirit to change us from the inside out and to give us a new heart like his. God is still faithfully journeying with us, providing us with everything that we need to be able to stand before him as his holy people. 1 Peter 2.9 But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. This bit, once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. God is building us as a people. That is a plural term, that is together. He says, once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. We express his heart as we faithfully journey together in love. God is building us individually as he builds us together. Ephesians 2.22 says, we are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. We want that's so much, don't we? We couldn't imagine living without God being in the midst of us, there would be no point. Together we are so much more than the tally of our individual numbers, one, 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 etc. But journeying together with the spirit of God amongst us, we are much more than what we numerically add up to. And when I dwell in the midst of his people, I am so much more than when I stand alone. Now, I remember on the last Sunday that I stood here before leaving for Cooktown, I looked across all of you. I can remember it distinctly. I looked across all of you and there was this incredible sense of you in me, that I'd been built and shaped by you, that I was full of, you it's actually very hard to explain but i'm trying (laughs) it wasn't just me i was leaving but i was not just me leaving i was me and all that you individually and then corporately as my family had put into my life from numerous different aspects i was a different person to when i'd first come god had shaped me by your lives in me In one sense, Robert's purpose and mission in Cooktown was clear and easy to articulate. My only reason for going was to be with him. And after a year of separation, I was really looking forward to that. But as to what I would do, I didn't know. I remember praying a very specific prayer when I first arrived there. I asked God to please use me and please could I make a difference and I had no idea how that would be. Anyway, life went on and I just lived life amongst the community there. Just before we were leaving to come back home, it was a friend's birthday and a group of us were sitting on our lovely veranda, which I really loved. Just before leaving, we prayed together. Now, I could have cried as I listened to a friend pray. She started to thank God for all that I had done while being in Cooktown, for the difference that I had made. I was so humbled. I can't tell you the full content of the prayer, but I sat there in my own little world and just kept saying to God, you did it, you did it, you did it. I can't believe that you used me like this. It was overwhelming for me that God had said yes to my prayer. Everything that my friend was saying is what I'd asked God about in the prayer I had prayed two and a half years earlier. But he'd added a dimension beyond what I had asked. I'm telling you this to let you know what you did. This was the outworking of your lives in me. I'm serious. If I'd never been connected into you those years before leaving, I would have only had myself to take up there and that wouldn't have been much at all. But I went with the treasures that God had imparted into my life from you. Now any group of people will input into each other's lives as they do life together. But as we live together as the body of Christ, the Holy Spirit is at work in in us to shape us into the image and nature of Jesus. It's what happened. I gave out of what you had given into my life whether it was intentional or just happened as we did life together. It didn't just stop there. As I did life with the little group of believers in Cooktown, believe me, God continued to change me. This is you too. You are not just you. As you have journeyed with God's people, the Holy Spirit has shaped you into so much more than just you. We become so much richer in God as we live life out, together as Ephesians 4 15 says we are growing up in every respect to be the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ corporately we grow I was not just Lee you began the individual I was Lee you with you so much more than just one and you are not just you God does so much more in us and with us as we journey selflessly, relating together as his chosen people. We express his heart as we faithfully journey together in love. What was Paul's prayer at the end of today's passage? That you may increase and abound, increase and abound in love for one another. What was this love to look like? Paul says, as we do for you. What Paul modelled was for all Christians, right down through the ages and landing here with you and I. Now, the idea of walking closely with each other, particularly like Apostle Paul did it, is big and overwhelming. We could easily think, I don't have time for this. How can I possibly be friends with all these people? How can I possibly care for multitudes of people? I can't love like that anyway. Forgiveness can just be too hard at times. I don't have any of these giftings. And the idea of suffering, like the Apostle Paul, terrifies me. I don't want 39 lashes three times. I don't want to be stranded in the ocean for a whole day and then a long, dark night with every creature swimming around me. I don't even really like people. It's way too much, and I don't want to think about it. Well, let's just stop. I totally agree with you. It's beyond me too. Stop the list. If we start developing a list, we will be absolutely overwhelmed, particularly in a congregation this size. God is interested in the condition of my heart. What is the depth of my heart towards his church, his people? That's where it all starts, in my heart. God can do anything with a surrendered heart. What I do will flow out of my heart. We need to hand it to him for him to shape it. He turned the Apostle Paul from one who zealously persecuted followers of Jesus to one who gave his life for them. God has faithfully journeyed with his people, no matter how unfaithful they were and no matter how unfaithful we are. He continues to journey with us. He has and always will remain faithful. Jesus' sacrifice was the climax of his faithfulness. The Apostle Paul was an expression of God's heart as he faithfully journeyed with God's people in love. We will be that same expression as we faithfully journey with God's people in love. I'm asking God for three things this week. You may like to do the same. First one, I'm asking him to fill me with a new and fresh love for his people. Secondly, I'm asking him to enlarge the capacity of my heart, stretch out the stakes of my tent for me to be able to love and care others, that I can take in more than I could ever naturally do on my own. And I'm asking him for one thing this week that I can do to befriend a brother or sister in our local congregation here. Now remember, this is not about who is going to befriend befriend me or befriend you. This is about us reaching out to befriend someone, even during lockdown. Now, the following is a prayer of John Wesley that I heard several months ago. It is really challenging me. When I saw it, it terrified me. I desperately wanted to be able to say it like he said it, but I was scared, and I was just like, God, help me. I want to be able to say this, and I need your help. Anyway... It's challenging, but we have the Holy Spirit to change us and we have each other to share the journey. So we're just going to put it up on the screen and you might like to join me as I finish with this prayer. I am no longer my own, but yours. Put me to what you will. Rank me with whom you will. Put me to doing, put me to suffering. Let me be put to work for you or set aside for you, praised for you or criticized for you. Let me be full, let me be empty. Let me have all things, let me have nothing. I freely and fully surrender all things to your glory and service. And now, O glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you are mine and I am yours, so be it. In the covenant which I may have made on earth, let it be made in heaven. Amen.